Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of John. The Gospel Record of John in chapter number 17. Now we're going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 in just a moment. But we want to start off with a, a, a principle that we see in the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Now, we're in a brand new series dealing with under the furtherance of the gospel. And we understand that there are three things that are necessary that if the gospel is going to be spread. And the first section is the section we're in now dealing with the idea of truth. That in order for people's lives to be changed, they must have truth. And without a doubt, we have a lot of information, but we have very little truth. And the thing that people need more than ever is truth. And last week we went with the principle that God is truth. We spoke about that from the book of 1 John chapter 5, that God is truth. Today we now add to that speaking about the idea of truth and we see the phrase clearly stated in the gospel record of John chapter 17. The gospel record of John chapter number 17 and notice with me in verse number 17. John 17 17. Notice what it says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And with this, today we're going to hit this idea as we're talking about truth. We see that not only is God true, that we have a true God, but we also see thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Now with that, turn with me if you don't mind to the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. The book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Without a doubt, we have a world that is on very dangerous ground. We have a world that, may we say, is in perilous times. We have a world right now, because of the absence of truth, that people are making wrong decisions. They're making decisions based off of their feelings. They're making decisions based off of their fears. They're making decisions based off of what other people tell them. And so we have a lot of information and a lot of voices but we have very little truth. And because of that, our world is in perilous times. Notice, if you don't mind, in the beginning of 2 Peter or 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Notice this. Know, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3, it begins to give a list 
of characterizations of how the things are in the last times. In the last times, perilous times shall come. Notice this list. For men should be lovers of their own selves. As we look around, we could truly say this is a true statement. Men are lovers of their own selves. They only care what matters to them, to everyone else. They don't care as long as they are taken care of. It says covetous. The word covetous carries the idea of desiring something that's not yours. And so isn't that a true statement about the world around us? That people desire things that's not theirs to have? That's why we have commercials. It gives you all kinds of desires for things that's not yours. New truck, new house, Whopper, hamburger, frame boiled, melted cheese. You know, you look at all this stuff and it's to work on covetousness, desiring things that it's not yours to have. Boasters, proud. Those work together. People who brag on themselves, people who are proud. Blasphemers, meaning they blaspheme whom God is. Disobedient to parents. And no other time do we have this here where people are disobedient to their parents. Unthankful. This is, as we covered last time, the very first step to backsliding is to be unthankful. That's the very first step. To be unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. People don't keep their word anymore. False accusers. Incontinent, the idea incontinent carries the idea to tear apart. And so we live in a world where people love to tear apart things that exist. Fierce, this kind of carries the idea of aggressive anger. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, oftentimes people stop right here and they don't continue on. And they said, look at our world, it's falling apart. But may I remind you through the light of history, the world has always been this way. What this list is not talking about is is not talking about the lost world. The lost world has always been this. Notice with me verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. This list speaks about that in the last days perilous times shall come when those who call themselves Christians follow this list. The world has always been horrible and has always been this way. There have been worse times in history, believe it or not. There have been worse times in history for the world to be worse than what it is today. But in no other time in history have we had Christianity so misbehaved, so horribly set up. So in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3, we're seeing this list of perilous times shall come. In verse number 5, this is a key statement. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know what we have today? Is we have a whole lot of Christians who like to talk well, but they do not have the power of God behind them. They grow frustrated when people don't heed them, don't listen. They try to convince someone that they're a sinner and there's no power there. No power. Some preacher colorfully said this much, that today's church doesn't even have enough power to run a Nats moped around a Cheerio once. 
We don't have power. Just a colorful way of saying we don't have power. None. But yet God promises all kinds of power. The power of the Holy Spirit. So we look at this list and we could look and realize that it's not talking about the world. It's talking about God's church. It's talking about Christians. This is the state of Christianity. And beside that, you could just put in boxcar letters, American Christianity. Very much so. Our American Christianity has no power. And we look at this and we could say, yes, if we were going to be honest, we would look at this. And yes, Christians don't have power today. And then we say, what's the answer? What's the answer to this? Well, remember what Jesus said in John 7, 17. Thy word is truth. You know what people need today? You know what Christianity needs today? Truth. Truth. And it just so happens in the same chapter that we just read about perilous times that come, we see the answer. Notice with me at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 3, we see at the beginning, perilous times shall come. Notice in verse number 13 as we get a good running start. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So again, it's still carrying the same context of evil men and seducers. They're waxing worse and worse. Notice in verse 24. But... That means the opposite of, but continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And if you've never marked that phrase found in Second Peter chapter three, second or Second Timothy chapter three, Second Timothy chapter three, notice the phrase in verse number fifteen, the holy scriptures. What is the answer to perilous times? The holy scriptures. Jesus said, thy word is truth. And so we understand that in order for us to get the great commission, in order for us to reach the world unto the furtherance of the gospel, we need truth. What is truth? Thy word is truth. The Holy Scriptures is what we need to help combat, to work in a world of perilous times. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to take this passage in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And I'd like to teach you some more dealing with the Holy Scriptures. The very first thing I'd like to show you is the inspiration of all Scripture. The inspiration of all Scripture. Notice with me in verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration. Here the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration. This word inspiration carries the idea of God breathed. And just like when God breathed into the nostrils of Adam to make him a living soul, that same breath God breathed into his Scriptures. This is why it says God breathed. This is why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that the word of God is quick and powerful. The word quick is alive. The word powerful is where we get our word dynamite, dunamis. It's explosive power. The word of God is inspired. It has the breath of God. And if it has the breath of God, it will have the power of God. 
God's the one who gave us the scriptures. And by the way, this does not say the, the word of God or the, the Bible contains the word of God. The word of God or the Bible is the word of God. Every, the entire Bible, every word of it is God breathed. Well, then how did we get the scriptures? I had someone once asked, they said, does the, uh, did man write the Bible? And the answer is no, God wrote the Bible. Let me illustrate this. Notice with me in the book of first Peter chapter, <coughs> second Peter, if you don't mind, second Peter chapter number one, we're turning back to, um, to, uh, <laughs> To the book of 2 Timothy in just a second. But I want to show you this. Dealing with the idea of the inspiration of scriptures. Notice what the Bible says. In the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 20. It says knowing this first. That's a phrase that said. Hey this is important. Knowing this first. That no prophecy of scripture. Is of any private interpretation. What this means is the Bible doesn't mean something different to you and means something different to you. It means that there was no private interpretation. It means that there was one thing that God meant us to have and that God wants us to study to show ourselves approved to find out what God meant by it. This is why we have so many flavors of Christianity today is because someone reads it says this is what it means to me and I've read that this is what it means to me. Where instead we're not trying to find what the Bible means to me. We're trying to find out what did God mean when he gave us the scriptures. And we can know to study to show ourselves approved. We can know. But notice as it tells us how we got the scriptures. Verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. That means that some guy didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what I'm going to do today is I'm going to write some scripture. Meaning that the Bible didn't come about because some guy wanted to. But notice this. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What we see here is that it was God that gave us the scriptures. And that God used men as instruments. For example, if I was to write on my piece of paper here and I was to write down my name. What wrote down my name? Good. I was the power behind it and I used a pen. The pen was my instrument, but I was the force behind it, right? Now, we know that not all pens are the same, right? If you've got a pen, hold it up. All right? How many of you have black pens? How many of you have red pens? How many have different color pens? All right? And so we have different films. You have uh, ballpoint pens. You have fountain pens. You have all kinds of pens. Uh, so there are, we could have different instruments, right? And with those different instruments are going to have different colors, different width, different things. Dif the different instruments are going to produce a different thing. However, the force writing behind it, I could use a different pen and it would still write what I wanted to get across. Does that make sense? This is exactly what happened. That the Holy Ghost, who is God, is the one who gave us the scriptures. And he used human penmen, human instruments, to get across exactly what God wanted. Let's say that I had an instrument that decided to fight against me. So I'm going to write my name again, but this time my hand's going to fight against me, or the pen's going to fight. It's not going to... Am I going to get across exactly what I want it? Not at all. 
Notice as the Bible described these men in verse number 21 of 2 Peter chapter number 1. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Notice the description of these men. They were holy men. They were separated unto God for his use. They were surrendered instruments. And so, yes, we have over 40 different penmen of the word of God, but the words do not come from the men. The men were the instruments. God was the one who gave us the scripture. This is why we say all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Meaning that God is the one who gave us the Bible. Man did not give us the Bible. God gave us the Bible. This is what we speak about of inspiration. Inspiration is a supernatural doctrine. Meaning that it comes outside of nature. God supernaturally gave us the word of God by using human instrumentality, human penmen. So with this, we understand that God is the one who gave us the Bible. This is the inspiration of all scripture. Now, why are we making a big deal out of this? Because we have, we're living in perilous times. We're living in times where everything's falling apart, even Christianity. American Christianity is horrible and shambles has lack of power. So how do we combat? How do we work in a world that has an absence of truth? Thy word is truth. And to understand that when we're using the word of God, the Bible, we're using the word of God. God's word has the power. You go through and experience through the Bible and see all the things that the Bible talks about the Bible that the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 it says thy (laughs) the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword it talks about in the book of Jeremiah that the Bible is like a hammer that could break through the hardest hearts it says in the book of Jeremiah that it's like a fire that's welling up inside It could do its own work. We can trust it. Thy word is truth. The people need the word of God. They need truth. And the truth comes from the word of God. As we go through, not only do we see the inspiration of all scripture, but we see the necessity of all scripture. The necessity of all scripture. Notice back with me in the book of uh, Second Timothy chapter number three. Second Timothy chapter number three. And if you don't mind, as we look at Second Timothy in chapter number three, notice again with me in verse number sixteen. In Second Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen, would you tell me? You guys tell me what's the very first word? Now, what does all mean? All. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. What we find here is the necessity of all scripture. Our God is smart enough to say what he means and mean what he says. And that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Some people don't like that verse. They like to try it in a different uh, English translations. They switch that verse up and then it says all scripture that... or. So, Scripture that is given by God, I forgot how the wording was, forgive me now, but it it gives the connotation that not all scripture is inspired, that all scripture that is inspired, meaning that not all scripture is inspired. But we believe that all scripture is inspired, that all of it is necessary. We know that 
in the Bible we have 66 books. Each one of those 66 books is like a puzzle. If you were to put together a puzzle and you're missing two or three pieces, would that puzzle be complete? No. You'd look for it and find out if the dog ate it or if the kids took it or if it fell somewhere. But you need all 66 pieces to get a complete picture. Because each book of the Bible tells us something special and unique about God. For example, in the book of Genesis, we learn that God is the creator. In the book of Exodus, we see that God is the deliverer. In the book of Leviticus, we see that God is the God of order. As we go through, we can see all these things about God. And each book tells us something special and unique about who God is. And if there is a portion of scripture that we are not familiar with, then we're missing some pictures of who God is. For example, I know some preachers who say, I'm just a gospel preacher. What do you mean by that? Well, I just preach from the gospel records. I don't worry about the rest of the Bible. I just preach from the gospels. Well, that's great. That's four books out of 66. You're not going to have a complete uh, picture of who Jesus is. May I say that you're going to have an altered picture of who Jesus is. uh, Not a complete picture. There are some people that say, well, I love the Psalms. Great. The Psalms talk about the hard issues of man. What do you know about the minor prophets? Uh nothing. It's the section of the Bible where all the pages are still stuck together because you, you, you haven't been into it. Well, you know, if you're not familiar with the minor prophets, you're missing 12 pieces of the puzzle that tells us something special and unique about God. Remember, thy word is truth. People need truth, and we need the whole counsel of God. We need the full revelation of who God is, so that way we can work in a world that is of perilous times, that is falling apart. All scripture is necessary. May I also remind you that all scripture includes the genealogies? Like you're reading your Bible and said, all right, I've got through. I'm in the historical section. All right, I'm doing good. Samuel was great. Kings was great. And then you run right into 1 Chronicles chapter 1 through 9 when you get chapter after chapter of he so-and-so begot so-and-so and so-and-so. And you go, oh no, just names swirling. You know, that's necessary. God gave us those scriptures. I've got all kinds of messages I get just from 1 Chronicles 1 through 9. All kinds of things to plug in and to learn. All things are necessary. You say, what do we learn about God from the genealogies? That God knows every person. And he knows them by name. And God thinks they're important. We learn so much about who God is through all of these things. All scripture is given By inspiration of God. We see the necessity of all scripture. So if you want to have the power of God. It doesn't come outside of the word of God. And that we must have the word of God in us. And we have to have a complete picture of who God is. Understanding that every word of God is necessary. So we start by understanding that the inspiration of all scripture. God breathed this book. We could see the necessity of All scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Then we come to the sufficiency of scripture. The sufficiency of scripture. Notice what it says in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The word profitable means it's good for you. It's good for you. Notice if you don't mind in the book of 
2 Timothy chapter number 3, we see that there are five works that the Word of God does in the life of every person. That every message that is preached, every Bible message, may I say, every time the Word of God is out, it is trying to accomplish one of five things. Notice the first thing in verse number 15. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The very first thing the Word of God tries to do in the life of any person is to bring them unto salvation. To make them wise unto salvation. To let them know what salvation is. The very first work of the Bible is to bring people to a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. That the Bible will convict us. It will show us that we're sinners. It will show us because of our sins that we've offended a holy righteous God. But it will also teach us that Jesus loves us and that God made promises and if we trust in God's word, he promised that he would forgive us of our sins. That this is what the word of God does. It doesn't matter where it's at. We could trust God's word to do a work. That helps me as a Bible teacher that I could trust God's word to do its work. That God's word is going to be drawing people and bringing them to himself. That the very first work that the Bible tries to do in anybody's life is for salvation. But notice as we hit verse 16, we could also see some other works that the Bible does. That every Bible message that we have is going to fit in one of these five categories. Either it's going to be about salvation. Notice with me in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine. Our doctrine is our belief and teachings. For the purpose of this lesson, we can say it teaches us what is right. So what does the Bible teach us? It teaches us what is right. Well, that's kind of simple, isn't it? The Bible teaches us what is right. This is what's right. The second thing that it teaches, that it all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. The word reproof, we could say it this way, the Bible tells us not only what is right, but it tells us what is not right. So the Bible teaches us what is not right. Well, that's helpful. We need to know what's not right. We want it pointed out that's right, that's not right. So the word of God, it is profitable. It brings us to the knowledge of salvation. It tells us what's right. It tells us what's not right. Notice another thing here in the book of 2 Timothy, or 2 yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. For correction. The word correction in this sense, we could say it this way, it tells us how to get it right. How to get it right. So the Bible teaches us about salvation. It tells us what's right, what's not right, and how to get it right. Well, that's profitable for us to be able to tell us how to get things right. That if we do something wrong, how do we get it right? Well, the Bible teaches us that. The word of God is profitable. We can see the sufficiency. The word of God is enough that it tells us what's about salvation, what's right, what's not right, how to get it right. Notice the last one here. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We could say it this way, it tells us how to keep it right. So the Bible first of all brings us to salvation, then after that it instructs us on what's right, what's not right, how to get it right, and how to keep it right. Well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? The Bible is enough. That's what the word sufficiency means. It means it's enough. 
That means I can trust God's word to do its own work. You know what people need? They need the word of God. They don't need my thoughts. They don't need my opinions. They need the word of God. You understand this covers so much. Because if a, if a preacher believes, if a teacher believes that the Bible is enough, then we're going to concentrate more on giving them the word of God. If a preacher or a teacher doesn't think the Bible is enough, then what they're going to do is they're going to set aside the Bible and they're going to use their own words, their own intellect, their own oratory skills to try to get across truth. And it's going to fall short because thy word is truth. What we have today is we have some little preacherette smoking a cigarette, giving a little sermonette. <coughs> we have no power because the word of God isn't going out. The word of God is truth. The word of God is what we need in this perilous times. Now notice as it finishes up in verse number 17, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, let's get a running start, verse 15. And that from a child that has known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Here in verse number 17, it gives a word picture. Because God knows that the way that we think is not in tinker tape, right? Yours is not like the bottom of the CNN screen where you see a little news scroll. That's not how you think. You don't have words rolling through your mind. You think in pictures. So God gives us a word picture to put an image in our mind to illustrate what the word of God does for us. It says that the, that the man of God may be perfect. That word perfect means complete or whole. And that's what we want to do is complete or whole. Here's the word picture. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So let's say that you have a single guy. And when he gets married, gets his first apartment, he has the man cave, right? He has the milk carton cake. Uh, uh, crates and the banana boxes the TV setting on and and he has an old ratty chair and it's comfortable to him but it looks horrible and there's nothing on the walls they're bare I meant he he has plastic wear and and plates that maybe match uh, sometime or another and maybe if he really wants to show off he's got the deer head on and then he gets married and then when he gets married. Now things start to go up on the wall. Curtains starting to go up on the wall. Mats start to go down in the bathroom. Uh, the deer head comes down and pictures get put up. Matching plates and things get cleaned up. And what happens bit by bit, it turns from a house to a home. It becomes thoroughly furnished. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you start off empty. You got the man cave going on. And then as you start allowing the word of God to work in you, first of all for salvation, and then to tell you what's right, what's not right, how to get it right, how to keep it right. As you start listening and getting those things, you start to thoroughly furnish yourself. You become complete or whole. You start to add things in your life to take it from an empty shell to something usable by God. You become thoroughly furnished, completely equipped. 
When that happens, now with the word of God, we have the power of God. And we use the word of God and the power of God to work in a world of perilous times. A world that is falling apart. A world that needs to know that there is a God of power. What today American Christianity does is shown a world that our God doesn't have power and he doesn't care. And so people turn away. They, they don't care what we say because they don't, we don't have any power. And their lives aren't affected because Christians' lives are not affected. But it's the word of God. When the word of God works in us, it becomes a testimony in a dark world that we have something to rejoice about. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. That when the world's falling apart, we don't have to be. We have a world that is falling apart. A world without hope. People who are locked in their basements. People who are living in fear. Let me remind you that God did not give us the spirit of fear. But of power. And of a sound mind. And the world is looking for answers. They're looking for hope right now. And the word of God is what's going to give them that hope. It's going to give them that life. It's going to show them that there's something different. Power to overcome the world that they're now living in. What is the answer to perilous times? Thy word is truth. And if we're going to have the word of God go forth. If we are going to have uh, for the furtherance of the gospel. If we're going to have the great commission be accomplished. We have to have the word of God going forth. It's the word of God that's going to change the world around us. Thy word is truth. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.